Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. It's Cut, 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 cut for Time. No, maybe not that. <laughs> Hey, Claire, I got my coffee. You look like you're drinking some coffee or tea there. It's kind of that weather. Yeah, my tea. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could drink coffee, but um, it seems to bother John Mark. So I'm nursing John Mark. So he does not like coffee, which I'm like, are you even my child? Yeah. Anyways, let's jump into our sermon, Jeff. Let's talk about your recap, if you can, from your sermon on Sunday. Yeah, so Sunday we just looked at one verse, this uh, really rich uh, verse in the middle of uh, the first chapter of John's gospel about the word that was with God becoming flesh and dwelling among us so that we could see his glory. And so we talked about this is really like the center of what John is trying to get at in terms of why Jesus has come. Uh, you know, the other gospel writers, we, when we think of Advent or Christmas, Matthew and, and Luke, particularly, we have the wise men and we have the star and the angels and the trip to Bethlehem and there's no room in the inn and, and a lot of the details around mm -hmm. it, uh, mm -hmm. kind of the what. And John is really focusing and zeroing in on the why. Why did Jesus actually become human like us mm -hmm. and this verse is really at the center of that and and it's an expression of god communicating this is what we most need this mm -hmm. is the solution to all of our problems and we explored a little bit uh unpacking what john is saying in that verse about uh, the significance of seeing the glory of god in Jesus Christ and, and what it means to really behold God's glory, his significance, his weightiness, his worthiness in a way that sort of displaces other things uh, that should displace other things and, and take priority. Mm -hmm. uh, the significance that God would actually take on flesh. I mean, you're talking just a minute ago about having to watch what you drink and eat because you're nursing a baby. And there's a vulnerability to being a human being that uh, to, to be flesh is to be vulnerable and weak in some way and mm -hmm. to be available, to be connected and intimate with one another. And that's part of what Jesus becoming incarnate means that we have a God who's not off in heaven somewhere, but he's, close, not only just close by and available, but understands literally everything that we have mm -hmm. gone through. Tiredness, weakness, frustration, disappointment, betrayal, rejection, loneliness, even unanswered prayers Jesus has experienced in his earthly life. And that's amazing that we have a God like that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, this idea that this glory of God that becomes flesh to be with us uh, dwells with us and not just in some esoteric way, but John is intentionally making the connection back to the, the tabernacle, uh, the tent of meeting that God had Moses build as the place where he would dwell with his people. And that's where the sacrifices happen. That's where God's presence dwells uh, in glory behind the veil. And Jesus himself John is saying is now the tabernacle. He's the place where God and man meet, 
where we can actually behold God's glory and live because he's also the sacrifice that makes it possible for us to come into God's presence. And, and you put all that together and you realize, mm -hmm. wow, what, what has God done for us in Jesus? I mean, what? And that's that frames that starts to shape how we look at all the stuff we're going through. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that we have a God who is glorious and powerful and amazing uh, who's a who's a center and the priority of our lives, and yet who's also incredibly accessible and sympathetic and understanding and empathetic of everything we're going through. And we have all that in the context of knowing God's love and forgiveness and presence with us. And that's mm -hmm. what John wants us to see God is doing at Christmas in Jesus. Yeah. Man, is there like, is there any other verse that's single verse that's as theologically rich as this single verse is it's just it's packed so is it difficult to preach a sermon <laughs> just based on one single verse I think usually it probably would be really difficult to just I know and you guys don't even do that necessarily yeah. like hardly ever just because you don't want to take anything out of context of the right. bible and the circumstances that you're preaching in um or like that the book is in so I don't know. What's that like to just preach a single verse? I mean, exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's a little daunting at first. You're like, oh my gosh, you know, 25, 30 minutes on one verse. And then you get into it and you're like, wow, this could go on and on and on when you just really unpack all the implications of, of what John is saying here. It's, if anything, it's, um, boy, I don't know, a little like, um, well, I don't know if this is a great illustration or not, but somebody, and it, and if somebody who's listening knows who this is, that's awesome. Somebody left uh, a great sketch that they did of me preaching on Sunday, and I absolutely love it. And and I hope that we can find a way to share it with people. It's I just mm -hmm. I love stuff like that. And I sh and I said when I when I posted it online that I I absolutely love this for several reasons one of them is I have a lot of appreciation for people's artistic gifts which I do not have I I can't draw mm -hmm. and so coming to this passage in just this one verse in John's gospel kind of feels a little like that like I'm I'm seeing something that's so incredibly beautiful and majestic and awesome and glorious and how in the world am I going to be able to adequately convey this and and help people see the the amazing beauty and glory and love and intimacy that that John has packed into this one verse so uh, boy it's it's all over the place in terms of you know, how, how do you feel about preaching a verse like that? It's, it's, you know, people, it's almost like people would say like, you know, you're treading on holy ground here. Like I, I want to get this right, not in a fearful way, but just in an awed and a humbled and grateful way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, did you even have additional material, Jeff, that you had to cut for time um, in your preparation for this someday? Yeah, there was, there was uh uh, one thing that I ran across in, in reading some of what other people have done around this, it wasn't even specifically around this verse, but ran across a really great devotional thought from a Christian author who talked about um, psychologists have identified that empathy has declined dramatically in the U.S. over the last 30 years. And, and he was saying to understand why that is, we need to understand what goes into making for empathy. And uh, one, one dynamic has to do with when we're rushed, when we're stressed, 
I mean, we know this like as parents, as spouses, as workers, we're a lot less empathetic. Like mm-hmm. when we feel anxiety and when we're frantic and rushed, I don't have time to talk to you. I don't have time to be patient. Just get your shoes on. We've got to get to the thing, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we, I've been there. We've all been there. Uh, and and this season of all seasons, ironically, we've tended to end up, you know, it becomes really frantic and full of stuff. And it, maybe it's really good stuff, but slowing down and trying to carve some space to be empathetic in this season is maybe even more important. And And the other related dynamic that this author pointed out is that um, not only have we become more busy and stressed and distracted, there's obviously a lot more stratification and sorting culturally. That is, we tend to live around people who look like us and who vote like us and who think like us and who live in the same, you know, kind of socioeconomic status. And so, Social scientists have also recognized that as we become more wealthy, more successful, we become less empathetic to people who aren't as wealthy and successful. And some of that may just be due to lack of proximity. We don't live around people who are less well off than we are. We don't live around people who uh, who don't have to deal with daily struggles you know, for Mm -hmm. how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to feed my kids? And so it becomes harder to be empathetic in that way. And the author points out, um, as, as great as all those divisions and those challenges are, there's no greater division or separation than the one between God and humanity. And, and Jesus actually stepped out of the greatest distance Mm -hmm to step into our world, to become close to us, to, to understand, to empathize, and to give us what we most need. And, and that suggests, you know, maybe in this season, in, in I know it sounds counterintuitive, but in the middle of all the busyness, is it possible for us to find some space for prayer and reflection to both think about Jesus' incarnation and the, the struggles, the pains, the trials of people around us? Mm-hmm. And and maybe invite God to help us think about who can I draw closer to this month? Whose shoes can I walk in, at least imaginatively? Uh, and yeah. that leads us beyond celebrating Jesus' incarnation to actually emulating it. Uh, and that's hard to do at this time of year, hard to think about when we have so much going on. But if that's what Jesus is like, it you know it suggests what are the ways in this season particularly that I need to carve out time to be aware of people that I may be distanced from and maybe they're distanced from God mm-hmm. and how God could use me to help bridge some of that gap. Mm-hmm. And I know there are people at church who do amazing things like that. Like one, one of our elders' families, I know like their tradition is they go serve as a family at a food bank and help feed homeless and hungry people. And that's incredibly significant, like to say this is a value and this is an expression of what Jesus is like for us. And we want to be that for other people. Yeah, that's really rich and a great challenge, Jeff. Um, uh, Just talking about empathy, I'm reminded by something that I heard or read or listened to recently, and I'm kicking myself because I cannot figure out where it was from. All I know is that Nathan also heard it because we discussed it. So people could badger him and say, where is this statistic from? But it was something along the lines of like, when you have your phone on, 
not just on, but near you, you are like 80% um, more likely to like struggle with empathy, like to be able to empathize. And now I have no idea how they even measure this. Like, I don't even know. All I know is the person, whether I was reading it or listening, was saying like, not just to put your phone like face down, not to just have it in a different room because you're still thinking about it, but to literally turn your phone off and it has to be off in order for like that brain space to open up and be able to be like to focus and be able to empathize well with the people that you're around. So I I don't even know where that came from. I'm like really frustrated. I cannot remember. All I know is I'm like, that does make sense. I don't know how it's measured. All I know is like, I could probably relate to that. Like the times when my phone is off versus the fi- times when, um, when it's like close by and I know how, um, where my focus is or my thoughts are, you, you know, so, um, maybe that's just a one, like one way to practice empathy mm. this season and like improve mm. your empathy is to just not just put your phone away, turn it actually off and focus on the people that you're with well that's that's really good the the gift of our presence and attention is huge and you know jesus would do that so like i just don't think jesus's attention is divided at all when he's with the people he's with Mm. yeah that's good that's good claire good reminder it's been a delight talking with you, Jeff. And you're going to be back again with us next week. You've just had a lot of cut for time. Yeah, people, people are going to be ready to cut me for time, I think. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.